anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. All right, all right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And as you can see, Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell is not with me for this one because I have a very special guest that I will bring on in just a minute. I wish the Hillbilly Boy would be on this one because this was probably more of an uh, an appropriate interview for him to do, given his um, hillbilly nature and all the farming and stuff that he does. But um, it is a topic that I've been looking into more and more, especially over the last couple of years, and a topic that I'm anxious to learn more about. And so without further ado, I will just bring this guy on. His name is Jim Gale. He is the host of The Jim Gale Show. But he also specializes in helping people break away from the system by growing their own food. And I don't know much more about what he has to say, which is why I'm going to have him on. All I know is that he's uh, he knows how to grow food and he knows how to help you not only achieve that, but achieve the, the ultimate uh, freedom and self-sufficiency. So uh let, let's bring jim on what's going on man thanks for coming on i'm uh, i'm very excited to have you on the show i know very little about you other than just the uh email i got from your people and i perused your website a little bit tell everybody uh who you are and what you got going on great my name is jim gale and we have the solution to all the world's biggest problems and it's not the hypothetical solution it's the demonstrable solution, and we are demonstrating it all over the world. And it's pretty simple. The United States has over 44 million acres of lawn. The lawn takes more poisons, more chemicals, more human resources than any other crop, and it does not provide food. The lawn is the foundation of our enslavement. When we simply supplant 50% of our lawns with poison-free perennial edible landscapes, we will reverse deforestation and mass extinction. We will reverse cancer, diabetes, and heart disease trends. We will end world hunger, and we will end tyranny by simply using our land wisely. That, that was very succinct. <laughs> there, there's a lot to unpack there. Yes, sir. So I guess my first question is, um, what what's like the the easiest path for that to happen? Like how does one person just sort of take advantage of their lawn to, I, I think what you sort of specialize in is extricating people from this system, growing their own sustainable food that they can, they can basically live off their land without uh, 
without uh, dependence on on government agencies or big uh, you know big agriculture or something like that. I mean, I'm I'm basically a city guy. I'm, I grew up in Chicago or just outside of Chicago, so the only thing I ever grew was a, a basil plant or maybe some mint or something. Cool. Well, you, you're started. That's beautiful. So the smartest place to start is if you have a deck, if you have a closet, if you have a corner of a room that's not being used, those are good places. If you have land or you know somebody that has land, that's way better. Soil is the key. Building soil outside your back door, that first square foot outside your back door is the most logical place to plant food because it's the easiest access. You know, you can go out, boom, there it is, right there outside your back door. When we supplant just the ornamentals in our HOA communities with food producing plants that also look beautiful and provide habitat, well, it's just so radically simple. And we're doing it all over the world. We launched uh, 21 months ago on the highway with Dell Big Tree. Now we're in about 32 countries and almost every U.S. state helping people to grow food the easy way, not the farming way that everybody's used to, right? We don't want to make farmers out of everybody. We want to help everybody have edible landscapes because that's easy. It's basically no maintenance. And what sort of um, things do you grow on an edible landscape? On our off-grid luxury community here in uh, Central Florida, we have 220 types of food growing. We have bananas and plantains and avocados and peaches and plums and pears and raspberries and blueberries and blackberries and turmeric and ginger and papayas. You name it, we've got it growing there. Now, in every zone, you can grow way more food than you know of. My buddy in northern Minnesota has seven different types of kiwi growing on his property. Grapes and raspberries and blackberries and blueberries. And he's got 300 types of food growing on a five acre property in Northern Minnesota, which I'm, um, when you hear Northern Minnesota, you don't think of Kiwis. <laughs> you don't do you? Nope. So like, do you need some sort of special um, additives for the soil or something like that? If you're in that kind of climate, how do you get Kiwis in Northern Minnesota? The, the soil in Minnesota is way better than the soil in Florida in general. It's a matter of finding the plants that are right for that hardiness zone. So the, we there's a thing, if you look up hardiness zones for agriculture, you can find a map and it gives you what zone you're in. And then you look up what food producing plants go well in my hardiness zone. And then you just stack them. And this is where people, this is where the permaculture design process gets to be so much fun. There are tens of thousands of types of food that you can grow, but we only know the average person only knows 30 or 40 of them. But when we stack in all of them and put them all into a system, it's absolutely the garden of Eden. It's epic. And I would imagine it's, um, much more economical. It's a lot cheaper to do this than it is to go to the grocery store and, and buy the, the stuff that's been farmed for you. It's the best investment in the world year over year. If you, if I go to the nursery right now and I buy a plum tree or a peach tree, I can put that in the ground. I can buy a small one. Let's say it's three feet tall. I buy it for 80 bucks or 120 bucks within one year. As long as I put a guild around that and give some good soil to it. So let's say I, 
I spent 120 bucks or 100 bucks on the fruit tree, another 100 bucks on putting a guild. A guild is a community of plants that support each other. So you've got your nitrogen fixers, your beneficial insect attractors, and then you get good soil. You put that together, it's 200 bucks. Within 12 months, that tree is going to double or triple in size. Now, if you go to the nursery and buy that tree that size, it's worth two or three times as much money. And that hasn't even started producing fruit yet. Now, after about two or three years, you've got two to three to $500 worth of fruit on that tree per year. It's an incredible return on investment. And is it a lot of work to do all this? Like, what if what if you're super lazy and you just want to go to the grocery store one, once a week or Costco once a month and just yeah. load up on stuff and throw it in your freezer? That's a great question. Very logical. A lot of people are asking those questions. Okay, so to go to Costco and spend 400 bucks or 500 bucks, you had to go to work to earn the four to 500 bucks. If you take 50 bucks an hour, let's say you're making 50 bucks an hour, you just went to work for 10 hours and then you spent the resources going to Costco. You spent the, the time. So you've got another two or three hours there. You got 13 hours in and $500 of your cash. If you spend that same 13 hours planting fruit trees and spending the same amount of time and energy, you will have an epic return better than this other way. That is, again, you know, this, the whole situation in the world right now is not an accident. We are enslaved by a strategy. Henry Kissinger 50 years ago said, if you want to control people, control food. Why would somebody be talking about controlling people? Because he's a psychopath and it's his job. It's his strategy to control the asset. They don't look at us as people. He said, we are cannon fodder and useless eaters. He's the same guy who appointed Klaus Schwab to the World Economic mm -hmm. Forum. <laughs> this is a slave control strategy. The problem is the control of the food supply, which makes, makes us sick. The solution is to grow our own food. And, and how come you can grow your own food without using all these pesticides and things like that? That's another great question. Because the systems of monocultures are absolutely horrible for our society and our world and our soil. Poisons are killing not just the spoken pest, but they're killing the, the total microbiome of the soil, the life, the diversity. Our food forest, like I said, has 220 types of food growing. When a pest comes in, there are no pests, by the way. Everything has a function in a natural system, except for the GMOs. The pest or the grasshopper or the inchworm or the beetle will come in and there will be one or two plants that that beetle likes or that inchworm or grasshopper likes. But as soon as they start multiplying, then here come the hornets and the geckos and the spiders. And these animals, these creatures are our first line of defense and they create balance in the system. So monocultures are the problem. Diversity, which is better in every way, is the solution to that. It's not the, the type of diversity that the, uh, the Biden administration is talking about, right? 
The Biden administration subsidizes poisons all around the world, subsidizes war, subsidizes evil. The Biden administration is a pawn. They have they are just literally a pawn in a game of good versus evil. And they are on the dark side by far. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would imagine all these pesticides aren't good for the actual um food that you're growing does it do something to like the nutrients or anything like that when you're putting the all these fruits and vegetables through this ringer of pesticides and you got to wash them a million times and we yes obviously we don't use any poisons we only use natural solutions the pesticides are killing our aquifers they're killing us cancer diabetes, heart disease, autism, all of these are a result of the way that we are poisoning our minds, our hearts, our stomachs, and our soil, our water with fluoride, our air with the chemtrails. It's all part of the same system. And it's all lead. The head of the snake is called BlackRock. BlackRock is not only the name of the entity. They, by the way, did $21 trillion last year with their subsidiaries, State Street, Berkshire Hathaway, and all these monster entities. And who did they invest in? They invested in the entities that are centralizing power and destroying our world. Not power, but force. They're centralizing force and completely destroying our world. And BlackRock is run by a computer named Aladdin. So AI is running the whole show. The solution to AI is God's systems or nature's systems. And I've, I've heard about, I've seen these stories. I haven't really um, dove into this very much, but China has been buying up a bunch of farmland as well. Yeah. In South Dakota, they just made it illegal for Chinese corporations to buy farmland. I think that's freaking awesome. Um, so, and, you know, and I also don't like to pick on the Chinese. This isn't about politics. It's not about the Chinese and the Russians and the Ukrainians. They are they are not sovereign anymore. They are following a deeper. There's a bigger thing going on. This is a spiritual battle of good versus evil. I can't explain it deeper than that because it's infinitely complex and profound and I'm learning it myself. But I know one thing for sure is they are all pawns in the game. You know, for instance, most people didn't know Mao Zedong went to Yale. He was the editor of the Yale Law Review. Did you know that? No, no, yeah. that's news to me. Everything I'm saying, you can look this up. Rockefeller made Mao and he he got him into position. Mao did what he did, killing tens of millions. This is all part of a strategy that comes from a higher level. The Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, all of these things, it's not politics. They're just the pawns in the game. Now, there's a lot of theories that certain people are breaking away from the system, like Putin um, and different people around the world. I don't know if those theories are true. The reason I don't completely trust anybody in this system is when they start telling us to grow food and to take out the poisons, those two things, when they say turn off the mainstream media, which is a control propaganda, bunch of BS, grow take out the poisons and grow food instead of lawns. A leader that says that is the leader that I will vote for. Well, I, I don't believe in government at all, but at least I will know that they have ethics. Right. And this, it seems like the system they've set up is they all just sort of feed off each other. So the, the food makes us sick. 
And then the pharmaceutical industries get to give us a pill or, you know, some sort of medicine that's supposed to fix that, but it causes three or four more side effects. And then, of course, they have another solution for that. And then they get to lobby the government. And it's just like this circle jerk incestuous relationship. And the the, the people seem to be the ones suffering the most. Yep. And again, if you look up, what does BlackRock invest in? You can see the list of poison producers and world destroyers. They're all international corporations. They're rooted in debt and death. And that's what they're doing to our world. That's the problem, right? Fear, by the way, is the ultimate control mechanism. So the first thing that we get to do is take a deep breath and step into our faith and courage. Faith and courage are the foundation of freedom. So that's the most important thing everybody listening can do is turn off all the mainstream media narrative and step into faith and courage and then take action from there. That makes sense. I mean, especially given the the last couple of years, if you didn't have a, a TV or the internet, I don't even know if you'd realize that there was a pandemic going on. Right. Oh, uh, man, it, it really is unbelievable. So um, how do you you help people get started in this. I mean, how do you, how do people get out of this system that is just like so many other uh, systems they've built? It's so comfortable and easy and kind of convenient that uh, people just kind of, uh, you know, they take the path of least resistance and they get used to it. And what you're saying seems kind of overwhelming. Yeah. And here's the funny part is that's all layers. What you're expressing is thank you, because it's all the layers of the the BS. There's the bad science, which leads to belief systems, and it's all bullshit. It's infinitely more convenient to not use poisons in our lives. It's infinitely more convenient to grow food instead of lawns. Because now we have health and wellness and we have a society, a world that is growing in life instead of contracting in life. Right now, we're going through the mass extinction because of all of these things. And fear, again, is the foundation of it. So it's time to let go and start expanding our spirits again. And what about like... Are there regulations in place that you can't do certain things with your lawns? I know there's like when you're in like a certain community that you can't grow things on your lawn, like you have to abide by their like condo association rules and things like that. Absolutely. Legal is the undoing of God's law. The legal system is what holds up the control mechanism and the slave system. Now, if you look at the bar, the bar means the British accreditation registry or something like that. British accredited registry. The whole system still belongs to the slave master. Gierta said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. It's time for us to wake up to the fact that the government, which means mind control, has been using force and violence against the people to steal the product of their labor. When somebody takes the product and convinces you to give it voluntarily, that's a different thing. They do not do that. They say you either give up 30, 40, 50, 60%. In some countries, it's 80, 90. In some countries, it's all of it. 
you either give up the product of your labor or we're going to come and put you in jail or worse. That's slavery. Yeah, it, it really is just kind of unbelievable to listen to the way they talk about things. It, it's as if they believe they own 100% of you and whatever they allow you to keep is um, is their gift to you. And you see this all the time, like almost everything that they say implies that they own 100% of, of you, of everything that you produce. And uh, you, you're lucky that you get the, the crumbs off of their table. Exactly. That's their game. The whole thing has been a lie. There's a book by Orwell called 1984. Have you heard of that one? It's, uh, oh, yeah. it's very famous. And it was written in 1948, and it basically describes the the thought police and the memory hole and how they would control the mind of every single person in in society. And the illusion was that the book is a future dystopia. Well, this started a long time ago, back over 100 years ago, J.P. Morgan, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the families that have controlled humanity for a long, long time, they commissioned a group to study the most influential newspapers and basically the social media of the day. And they bought them all. They bought them all for one reason, to control the mind of their asset. And uh, let's, uh, I want to take a step back. How did you get involved in all of this? <laughs> like, tell me a little bit about your background. Okay. So I grew up in Minnesota. They called me nature boy. I um, loved everything about nature. Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, that was funny. I was a wrestler too. I was a four-time All-American national champ in college. It was my thing. So I, um, it was kind of funny, the whole Ric Flair thing. Um, Cause he was a good actor. I was an actual wrestler. <laughs> yeah. But I acted, I would have made more money, but I wouldn't have been as, as happily was happy with what I did. <laughs> but anyway, I, after college, I moved to Hawaii and then I backpacked. I lived in Africa with the Maasai and traveled a lot, learned about cultures. I wrote my goals for the second time when I was 29 and I was dead broke. So my goal was to make money. And in the next three and a half years, I did about $1.3 billion in volume in the mortgage industry. And then I bought a boat, lived on the ocean for a year. And then I found Costa Rica. And when I found Costa Rica, three things happened at the same time that were all majorly life-changing. One is I had my first two daughters. I've got four daughters now. Oh, okay. And when we have kids, everything changes because you start looking at the world through their lens. Like what's the world going to be like for my grandkids? I also learned permaculture, which is the agricultural design science that proves all of the things I'm saying true. And I also read pilled. I was at um, downtown San Isidro in, in Costa Rica at a little expat table. And there was a very diverse group of people there. There was, my dad was a pipe fitter. There was an artist and a teacher and a former FBI guy and a former um, New York cop and a homeless guy and another guy. And anyway, they were, we we're all telling stories about whatever. And the guys at the end of the table, the one guy was a drug runner. He said, Jim, 9-11 was an inside job. And I said, ah, I said, you know, I'm open-minded as can be, right? I believe there's probably aliens. I've never met one and I'd like to see one if they are. I don't really know about Bigfoot, but I'm open-minded. 
And when he said that, I said, here's why that's impossible, because it would take way too many people to be involved in something that massive. I was so ignorant. I did not understand compartmentalization. I did not understand neuro linguistic programming. I did not understand mind control. I didn't understand anything about how the world really works, but I was open minded enough to go watch a video that they suggested. It was called Zeitgeist. Did you see that one yet? I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, it blew my mind because I can tell truth from falsehood for the most part. I've been fooled a few times, but anyway, I didn't believe it right away because it was too big of a switch. I had cognitive dissonance, which are competing belief systems in my mind at the same time. And it was a struggle. I'm like, what's going on here? And I had time since I sold my mortgage company. And so I went into it as a skeptic. I studied it all day, every day. I was the guy that my friends would say, Jim, we'd love you to come to our party, but don't talk about building seven anymore. <laughs> and you know about building seven? Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. A 46 story building as big as a New York City block that falls into its own footprint at free fall speed on 9 11. And it didn't get hit by a plane. It just had some relatively minor damage. And, and I'm like, that was a demo. And then you hear the firefighters and the demolition experts all saying, of course, it was a demo. They have the nanothermite. They have all of the facts to prove it was a demo. And yet it wasn't on the news. Nobody wanted to talk about it. It was censored. And I was like, oh, my God. So from there, I was still partly asleep and I still am like, that's the fun part is that it's waking up is a process. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And so then it was now it was 2007 ish. And I remember when Obama first got elected, it was 2008. And I had tears of joy. I was so fucking ignorant. And when he first got, then he won the Nobel Peace Prize. And I'm like, Obama, a good guy. And then he went and bombed the shit out of all these countries. And I know I've been traveling a lot. I know people in these countries. I said, Jim, it's gone. That city is fucking gone. And I was like, oh, my God. And that's when I learned that politics is just a complete scam and that he's an evil prick as, as well as pretty much every president. And so I went through that process and I continue to this day but here's the fun part is knowing the problem is important, but focusing on the solution is where life begins. And then that, that started about three years ago. I went from 20 million to negative 80,000. And then I let go of all fear. And I said, I'm done. I don't have anything left. I had no job, no income, no nothing. And then I started literally stepping into faith and courage. And from there, it's went very, very well. And so what exactly are you working on now? What do you, what do you do? So we, so we created an entity. We are on the high wire with Dell big tree. And since then we're all over the world. We design and install edible landscapes and food forests all over the world. We have a, an entity called a freedom farm Academy, which is an off grid homestead that produces all of the food, water and energy needs on site. We've got beehives, we've got a pond, we've got the healing modalities, we've got rental units. And it's basically a mini hotel that is completely self-contained and epically beautiful. 
We've got people lining up to stay at these already. And we've got them going in Lebanon and Sri Lanka and Thailand and Ghana and all over the world. We're putting up these Freedom Farm Academies because the food supply chain is done. Most people aren't aware of it yet, but it's been completely destroyed in the very near future. You can already tell food prices have already went up. That's right. a symptom of what I'm talking about. It's going to go exponential very, very soon. And we need to have a new supply chain. So that's what the Freedom Farm Academy is. They're supply chain hubs that will produce massive amounts of food, not just food. We don't just want to feed people. We want to give people the seeds and the knowledge to feed themselves. You can count the seeds in a single apple, but you cannot count the apples in a single seed. It's infinite. So we're creating these abundance factories all over the world to supplant the current system. Okay. And, and so people could, in theory, purchase um, food and seeds from these entities that you're setting up? They could absolutely purchase food and seeds and starts. But the most important part is the demonstration and education. So these systems will be used to teach people how to design using the permaculture principles, their land to grow as much food and as simply as they possibly can. And, I, and I'm guessing that's where the deforestation solution comes in because we yes. don't have to keep tearing down the rainforest or whatever to build more farmland for big commercial farmers because people can just do it in the comfort of their home or their own yard or something like that. Exactly. If the 44 million acres of lawn, if just 25% of that were growing perennial edible landscapes, that one thing just in the United States would radically change the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I just keep thinking of all of the, um, the government solutions to these problems and how they talk about climate change. And you were talking about, you know, what's the world going to look like for your four daughters? Well, according to Bernie Sanders, it's going to be uninhabitable unless um, we give them another couple trillion dollars to, to fix the problem with. You're exactly right. No, BlackRock did 21 trillion. We take about 5% of that $1 trillion invested wisely would put up $1 million, million dollar food centers or freedom farm academies, a million dollar food forest is an inc incredible amount of food. And there are fewer than 10,000 cities in the world. So now we're talking about a hundred food supply chain centers in every city around the world. We're talking about one per county that would produce an infinite amount of abundance. And that's what's happening, by the way, we have we are going to be do everything in our power, which is all we can do to strategically share this message. And we've got global world leaders coming in to talking to me every day, like literally every day saying, how do we do this at scale? And we're, we've got it. So now we just need you and you and you and you and you to start taking the permaculture principles, whether you want to do it on your own, go on YouTube, learn it. Great. Or whether you want to work with a group. Great. Let's bring, bring our energy together. In fact, if the protesters around the world, the millions of people who are yelling at government buildings in the street, if they took half that energy and put it into growing food in their backyard, 
we'd all be completely food self-reliant in no time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they took half that energy and put it into just about anything, doing that themselves, they'd be in much better position. It, yeah. it really is just incredible to think of how they've bred this dependency. Every time there's a problem, food or otherwise, it's well, what's government going to do about it? How is somebody else going to fix this for me? And it's it's so sad to see how how people are not just dependent, but they're just um, they, they lack the the creativity or the the initiative to just do something. I mean, are are there any downsides to to what you're talking about? Is there like a bottleneck somewhere that would prevent me from doing this? That would be. There's only upsides, and so here's the thing on. Once people become aware, and that's why we're building these demonstration sites, people show up. I've had 250 people. We're, we're just getting started. And I, we've got 250 people, including like 75 world leaders, especially in the medical freedom movement, show up at our property in the last two and a half weeks. It's, I, had, I had two film crews in the last three days there. And it's so simple. By the way, we declare our freedom very publicly. We do not pay slave taxes. We do not ask the government for permission to do anything. We simply serve our community in a way that's good for us. We're not asking anybody to give up anything. This isn't a scarcity-based model. It's completely selfish for me to do everything I'm doing because I win. Like everybody wins in this model. And it's the awareness of experiencing it that blows people's minds. People are crying. They got tears in their eyes. You know, the word choice is almost always misused because the word itself implies that there's an awareness of choices. If there's not an awareness of choices, then there is no choice. So that's the job of the permaculturalists and the freedom lovers around the world is to demonstrate a new way, which will create a new awareness of choice. Okay. Yeah. Show people that they have options, that there's, there is a, a better way of doing this and yeah. there's multiple ways of going about it. What about like, um, if you're, if you don't want to grow, um, food necessarily, but you can grow other, other types of plants and things that have medical benefits or something along those lines. Do you do that stuff too? Yeah. So Hippocrates said, let thy food be thy medicine. Let thy medicine be thy food. When we simply grow food without poisons and eat a diversity of nature growing food or God's growing food, if that's all we did, all the medical issues would be a thing of the past. Yeah, I mean, we do just keep seeing an uptick in just about everything. I mean, I know heart disease is, the, is still the number one killer of, of Americans because we eat just like complete gar God. Big pharma. And BlackRock are the number one killer by far. <laughs> Nothing is even close. You know, they say that medical doctors, there's a great book out came a long time ago called Dead Doctors Don't Lie. Amazing book. It's about allopathy and it's about how they're using lab-made chemicals to poison and depopulate and control. So if we simply became aware of that and used the opposite, did the opposite, then literally cancer, diabetes, and heart disease would go away. So the doctors and the medical system is by far the leading cause of dis-ease and disease. And so you've, you're pretty well-traveled, it sounds like. You've been 
around uh, around the world a few times. Is there a place in the world that's been doing this the whole time, or like that that was sort of the um, the the leader in this, like who you're taking your cues from? Yeah. So this used to be the norm when the indigenous people who were living here in the United States before the United States was discovered, which is freaking hilarious. They were living here and they had food everywhere. They planted gardens, edible landscapes, perennials. There weren't annuals at that time. It was all perennials. And they had these all over the place. They had millions of buffalo roaming the prairies. What did the military do by order? They cut all the food and they killed the buffalo. So this is not a new thing. This is the norm until lately. And, and so then now, now more lately, when the um, USSR broke apart in 1989, the Cubans were dependent on foreign aid from Russia. Well, the foreign aid stopped overnight. The Cubans started to starve. The Cuban government said you can each have a plot of land and grow your own food. So by necessity, the Cubans started growing their own food. Within 10 years, they were the most food sovereign country on earth or one or top two or three. Uh, that reminds me of um, the uh, the American settlers when they came in and they actually all got their own plots of land after they almost yeah. starved in the first winter. <laughs> yep, that uh, yeah, that's cool. And it's our land. This thing that the government has seized the land and calls it their land and they that's a bunch of bullshit. We are sovereign. There's no there's nothing in between us and spirit, God, nature. We only allow that. You know, the most dangerous superstition is our belief in government. Yeah. Yeah. And what about um, animals and how, how do you uh, sort of square that circle with with um like having having meat and eggs and things like that animals are part of the natural system they're very valuable uh, chickens my buddy michael hoffman calls them the swiss army knife of the food forest because they have so many different functions they can provide down they can be guards they can actually make noise if there's something going on they provide heat if you've got a greenhouse and you want to heat your greenhouse put your chickens in the greenhouse Right. You might need to keep the plants away from them, but you can do that. So now they heat your greenhouse. They provide meat and eggs and all sorts of beautiful things. Plus, they till the ground if you do it right. And that's all part of the permaculture design. They'll also eat a lot of the bugs that a lot of times can get to the plants, especially the annuals. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's funny that because egg prices in the U S have gone so berserk the last uh, couple of months, people are more people than ever before, I think are looking into actually getting chickens. Oh, their chickens are going through the roof. In fact, one of my buddies is coming down. He's got two really fancy chicken tractors. Um, I say fancy, very well built, very strategically built um, for multiple different purposes for the backyard owner who wants to have chickens and or rabbits there's it's it's coming and it's so logical the amount of eggs and value that a chicken produces relative to the energy that it takes it's incredible return on investment yeah yeah so what's um what's the biggest problem you're facing getting this movement off the ground the biggest problem was that people simply didn't believe it was possible and 
we solve that problem by demonstrating it, right? When you talk about something, people go, ah, I've heard all that stuff before. When you show them, they're like, oh, that looks pretty cool. When somebody walks into one of our food forests and they experience it, something happens. Literally, many, many people have started crying because they see a path to, to massive abundance. They see a future of abundance for their grandkids and beyond. And up until that point, they might not see that future. So when we can help show them what the world is going to be, when we start doing this logical thing, then that, so anyway, it's going exponential. Uh, I mean, I've had, it's truly going exponential. It's, it's a lot of fun to see this happening like this. Yeah. Well, it, there's always something about just food in general that sort of brings people together. But something like this, even with all of the, the political divide and ideological divide just within the U.S., you would think that this would just bring all sides together because you have like the so-called crazy right wing extremists that want to get away from the system and have their own plot of land and be self-sufficient. And then you have the tree hugging hippies that want to have their garden and everything. And like, you're doing the one thing that could bring both, like just bridge that divide and bring everybody together. Victor Hugo said, there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. This is it. Yeah. Well, I think it's great what you're doing. You know, there's so many people that, you know, fly around in our circles, myself, and I'm definitely guilty of this, where we just point out the problems and we'll talk about those until we're blue in the face. Maybe we'll, we'll come up with solutions, but we won't actually implement them will sort of wait for somebody else to do it. And so I, I really enjoy having people like you on this show to, to not only talk about the solutions, but somebody who's actually doing it. And um, I, I don't know, I just think it, I, I think it's fascinating. It's something I don't know much about, but it just seems like it would solve, you said it would solve all the world's problems. Demonstrated. And it doesn't really sound like that's much hyperbole. No, it's a fact. It's absolutely demonstrated all over the world. You can take it and scale it. You could take one yard where on an eighth of an acre to a quarter acre, you can feed your whole family. You won't need insurance for the major three, heart disease, diabetes, and cancer, because your insurance is in your backyard. Your life will be more vital. You'll be more everything good. And you'll walk outside and you'll see colors and scents and smells and tastes and butterflies and lightning bugs. Like life will be in your backyard. You look at a lawn right now, it's a biological dead zone. You look at a food forest, which is stacked layers deep. You've got roots and tubers underground, herbaceous later, small shrubs and, and taller bushes and fruit trees and vines. It, it's literally paradise and you feel it. It changes. It's a frequency change. You know, there's in fact, Tesla said, if you want to find the secrets to the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency and vibration. Now, he either missed a word or they changed a word. And that's probably what happened because he was a pretty wise dude. Don't think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Feel, experience, be in the present and feel the frequency rising. That is the path to everything good. 
Okay. And it does take some time to get these for these food forests up and running, right? I know like if you're going to grow a papaya or something, it takes like years for you to get the first fruit from that, right? We planted, so we've got one particular area at God's Landing where we, it's, in March, it was all sand and not even good sand. It was just sand that came from underground where we dug a pond. And we started layering the soil and the mulch and the beneficial plants. We put a papaya in that was maybe two or three feet tall, maybe, yeah, maybe three feet tall, probably 25 buck tree. Right now, it's got 200 to $300 worth of fruit on it that's within probably two weeks of being completely ripe. It's amazing. Now, papayas are faster than avocados. Avocados, um, if you start from seed, they could take eight years. But if you start with a grafted tree, you're going to have some fruit within two to three years and just loads of fruit by years three, four, and five. And, and the, the, these grafted trees, that's something they can get from one of your, uh, what do you call them? From well, the Freedom Farm Academies, but go to the local nursery. That's the best place to get stuff is go to your local, not your Home Depot or Lowe's. Although if you do buy it from there and you grow it without poisons, it's going to be fine. It's going to adapt through the poisoning that it had experienced. Nature is infinitely powerful. But the best place to go is a local nursery that doesn't have any poisons on their property. And then talk with whoever's there. Um, or talk with us if you want to. I mean, we we have we do a 30 minute consult with anybody who wants to start growing food. We have one of our designers, our professional permaculturalists will talk with you for 30 minutes at no charge because our mission is to help people grow food. That's the most important thing we can do right now. Perfect. And and so that would be like a like a personally tailored starter kit almost to sort of get you yeah. moving in the right direction. Exactly. So let's say somebody is broke. They've got 20 bucks and they need to go to the store and buy food with that 20 bucks. They could buy food with seeds in it. They can buy the fruits and the vegetables. They can then take those seeds out, still eat the fruit. So they didn't spend any extra money and then they could be resourceful. And they could find some soil. It's easy to find all over the place. They could start, go online and say, how do I grow pumpkins or, or cucumbers or apples or mangoes or whatever it is that you have. And you can literally learn how to propagate your own food forest with no extra money, just a little time and energy out of your day. That's for the starter if you just want to do it that way. If you've got $20 billion and you want to truly change the world, or if you've got 20,000 and you want to do a food forest, then we can help the permaculture network, which is what we are. Um, we can help at food forest abundance. And it starts with a free uh, 30 minute strategy session. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I have seen a lot of, you know, just little like Instagram reels and things with people showing you, Hey, you don't throw away this. You can yeah. do this with it. And I'm seeing a lot more of that just, just as I peruse the internet when I have nothing better to do. And I'm guessing it has something to do with the economy. I don't think a lot of these people initially were thinking, oh, like I want to start a food forest. They're thinking, oh, like I, I just got fired and I need to, I need to feed my family. How do I go about doing that? Exactly. And, and they're doing it right. They're looking online for solutions. Everything that the world knows is at your fingertips right now. 
you know, you, you so you don't have to, if you want to take the time to learn it, it's all right there online. If you want to speed up time, that's when we're here to help. Cool. And so what's, uh, how, do, how do people find you? What do they, what do they need to do? Where should they go? Uh, foodforestabundance.com is our website. Sign up. We have abundance ambassadors all over the world, designers. We have cooperative installers. So if anybody listening would like to be in the business of helping people grow food during a food supply chain disaster, then get a hold of us. That's what we do is we created the network, the structure, the strategy, the scalability model that helps people get involved in the solutions. Yeah, I think we have a, a good amount of agorists that listen to the, to this podcast as well. So, awesome. yeah, hopefully they'll uh, they'll take you up on that. And uh, what what would be the first thing that I would do? Because let's say I'm uh, fairly nomadic. I don't I move around a lot. Can you transfer this stuff with you, or is it not easily? Yeah, no. okay. You get a fruit tree in the ground, and you want to leave it there if you can for a long, long time. Um, the best thing, if you have friends, family, anybody like that, that let's say the shit hits the fan and you want to have a place to be, then find out who those friends are and talk with them about starting to grow food. You chip in on that. And now you're creating your own food sovereignty um, yeah. and you've got a place to go. Um, and what do you do like in the dead of winter though? Like, uh, you know, if Chicago gets eight degrees below zero or something, what yeah. happens to your, your food garden? I love it. So my mom grew up in Southern Minnesota, um, Medelia, Minnesota is where she grew up and she was a war orphan came over. She had no running water and no electricity till she was 15 years old. They only had an outhouse, which I just find amazing. They created all of the food that they needed all year long. They had chickens and cows and they had, a, I think they had pigs too at times. And then they just stored food. You can can it, you can dehydrate it. You could just put it in a root cellar if you've had, if you have that capability. So a lot of these foods, they would just store them and they would eat all winter long. It's very easy once you know how to do it to store food. Okay. So the, the storing is the easy part. It's the making sure you got enough to, to store for the winter. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions I got. Awesome I don't know if we, if we covered everything, if there's anything I'm missing here. You know, you just nailed it. It was a pleasure being on your show and chatting with anybody listening. And I actually thought your questions were absolutely perfect. No, I'll take it. No, I mean, it's fun. It's not something that I normally talk about, but I do... I do like to grow things and I like to cook. And so it's really nice to have fresh vegetables and, yeah. and herbs and things like that, like right at your fingertips. I mean, going to the fucking grocery store and buying like four basil leaves for $6. Oh my like God. I die a little inside every time I do that. Right. It's so easy. So, you know, that's where you start is just start with five or six plants, your favorite cooking plants right there, wherever you're going. You know, if you're nomadic, it's a little more complicated. You know, it's hard to fly with them. But uh, but yeah, yeah, by the way, this is a civil peace flag. This is not the war flag. This is a recognized flag here in this country. It's a peace flag. That's what I was going to ask you about that, <laughs> because I bet you there's a, a good percentage of people in the U.S. that would think that's like, I don't know, some sort of uh, white supremacist dog whistle. <laughs> flag. No, it simply represents peace. 
because peace is the solution. Love is a frequency. It's an energy. It's a vibration. And the answer to the problems is not more war. It's not more hate. I'm a huge fan of the Second Amendment and all of that stuff. And I am very well prepared. But I also know that peace is the best way and sedition. The best way to revolt against this system is to become self-reliant. So that's what this is all about. Wonderful. You, you do a podcast too, right? Yeah, it's called the Jim Gale Show. And we have incredible guests on there that have solutions to all of this stuff in very, very great detail. We had George Wiseman on today who created Brown's Gas and Analemma Water and all these different solutions coming in. Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make sure we link to all this stuff in the description of this show. Um, I, I don't know. This was a lot of fun. Maybe we'll have we'll have you back on or something to check in. And how long have you been doing this again? It's been a, a couple of years. Six, 2007 is when I got passionate and learned along the way. And, you know, the, the funny part is it's always the simplest solution. Bill Mollison, the founder of Permaculture, said, Though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And that's the fun part. It's just joyful. I'm having a blast right now sharing this message with the world. Cool, man. Well, I'll uh, I'll have you on any day because I'll, I'll probably have a lot more questions for you once I actually put some roots down uh, myself and start planting <laughs> one of these forests because uh, I I don't see any other way of, of really going about your, your life. I just how bad things look coming down the pike. I mean, with uh, just with the, the inflation and the cost of things uh, going through the roof, I, I don't see why anybody wouldn't at least start some little uh, garden of their own to, to have something going for them. So this is it. Awesome, yeah. John. Thank you. Tons. Yeah. Thank you. This is so much fun. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. You know, all of these interviews, I always enjoy them a lot more than I think I'm going to. I don't know, maybe I'm just getting lucky booking these guests. They all seem to be really nice, genuine people. And we just have a great conversation. I never script anything. And I always tell them that uh, going into it, I'm like, if there's anything you want me to cover, I'll, I'll cover it. But otherwise, I'm just going to you know, let it rip and kind of have a conversation with you. And it's weird, you know, I get this like weird feeling that comes over me before I do all these interviews where I'm like, ah, I don't know, what am I doing talking to this guy or that guy? Like, why am I interviewing a guy about plants? <laughs> but um, it always ends up being just a delightful conversation. I learn a lot and all of these people are just wonderful. Uh, Jim seemed like a very interesting guy. I love what he's doing. And I, I hope you all got something out of that. Um, and I hope you all at least grow yourself a basil plant so you don't have to keep going to the store um, and, and getting ripped off just to make some pesto or something like that. But, you know, I, I think my Italian uh, ancestors would be rolling over in their grave knowing that I don't have a basil plant and I, I'm living in, uh, you know, a place where basil would grow like a fucking weed. But one of these days, I'll I'll get my act together and get that started. So anyway, that's going to do it for today. Thank you all so very much for listening. I'll link to all of Jim's stuff in the description, along with the stuff for this show. We, you know, I just started the Substack, so make sure you go check that out. 
and become a supporting listener of that show, uh, that show, of this show and that show. Um, I think you should support what Jim's doing, but also support what I'm doing so we can keep the lights on around here. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.